We're continuing in our sermon series on Colossians this morning, and our reading is a very brief one, but it's taken from chapter 2 and verses 8 to 10. And verse 8 reads, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Just pause there for a second. You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. When I was 16, I trained to be a lifeguard. I used to work at evening and weekends, and it was something that I really, well actually I nearly said really enjoyed doing, but it was the most boring job in the world. (laughs) But since then, and I became a trainer assessor as well, and, and swimming and lifeguarding, that was my life. But because of that, I cannot rest around water. If I go to the swimming pool, or if it's the sea, or whatever it is, I'm always on edge looking at all the stuff that people are doing that wouldn't be allowed on my watch. (laughs) And I'm always anxious about what might happen. It's not as bad as it used to be, but let me tell you about something that once happened. I was in um, America for a couple of, well, for a month or so, working with some youth ministers out there. And for a couple of those weeks, I was in San Diego. They took me to SeaWorld for a day off, and it was fantastic, until we went to the dolphin show. And we were watching this dolphin show, and they got a family up to come and feed the dolphins, or whatever it was they were doing. And as they were doing that, one of the family, the dad I think it was, fell in the water, and then he started to struggle. But nobody was doing anything about it. I was like a dozen rows back and wedged in the middle of a row. And I was on edge. I wanted to go and do something. And I sat there thinking, surely someone's going to save him. But what felt like forever, but was probably just a few seconds, nobody did anything about it. So as I got more and more agitated, and still everybody else was calm as this guy was splashing about, I I sat there panicking and thinking, I need to go and save him, but no one else is doing anything. What's going on? Then, as you probably guessed quicker than I did, a dolphin came along, swooped him up, and it was all part of the act, and he was actually one of the trainers. (laughs) The people I had been with, uh, with, they'd been before. They knew what was happening. They thought it was hilarious seeing me get stressed out about the fact no one was saving this bloke. And they promised me that they wouldn't have let me made a fool of myself and go and dive in and get him. (laughs) Thank goodness. The whole thing was a bit of a prank. But here's the thing. I had been around swimming pools my entire life. I was a lifeguard. I used to train lifeguards. And yet I was taken in. I was deceived by what was going on. And yes, it was just a prank. But still, I felt really bad because I'd been completely deceived by it all. Paul in his letter to the Colossians warns us not to be deceived, not to be taken in by deceptive philosophy, essentially thinking that's from human tradition, human reasoning rather than from God. It is through Christ that we have been brought to fullness and Christ alone is the head 
over all our power and authority. Paul is warning them not to be taken captive, first by philosophy, but also by empty deception. There are false teachers and manipulators out there who will try to win you to their way of thinking, and we need to guard against them. Christians back in those days, and perhaps also now, were being told that they lacked something. That these things they believed about God were irrelevant or outdated. And whilst Jesus was a nice person, there was more to life. And so the early Christians began to be taken in by that. They were abandoning their faith. They were looking for something more, something different. But Paul could see that the philosophy being shared with them was hollow and it was deceptive. Deception is a deliberate act. Deceivers are deliberate about what they do. They know full well what they're doing and they're active in our society today. They're active in our workplaces, all over the media, as I'm sure we've all seen recently. And sadly, sometimes they're also active in our churches. So when society tells you that certain people are right in what they do because they're successful, when their words and actions are contrary to what the Bible tells us, no matter how good they talk or how loud they shout, remember that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul declared them to be deceivers. And what's more is that he warned us to be careful of them, not to let them do it. They're empty and they want to lead us away from the truth. And we see that sort of thing happening today, don't we? People hear about Jesus, they might come to church, they know about Jesus who died on a cross and rose to life again. But then they begin to listen to people who tell them that perhaps that's a bit outdated, that we should actually just do whatever we want to do because it's all all right in the end. And that the stuff we're told in the Bible doesn't actually matter, does it? But it's those things, it's those lies, it's those deception that lead us away. And they turn us into sort of like gods. Because when we decide what we listen to and what truth to ignore then we put ourselves back in charge of our own lives in the place that God should actually be. Jesus is the one who deserves to rule over the whole of our lives, not anyone or anything else. The first thing we need to realise then is that the alternatives might be enticing, but we need to choose Jesus. Instead of going along with what some people say, Remember what you first learned in Christ and hold strong to that and keep your focus on him. And we know how easy it is to lose focus, don't we? To take your focus off Jesus, even just in part. It's easy to focus on other things like financial worries or popularity or pleasure. But in the process, we push Christ out. Have you ever done that? Have you ever focused on the wrong things and looked back just to realise that those things are actually empty compared to what we have in Christ? That you're not as happy as you thought you might be? That you're missing something? Well, Paul points us to what we're missing. Here is what will make you complete again. Jesus will. Think about it. In Jesus, you have everything you have ever wanted. All the fullness of God alive in bodily form. Every question you've ever wondered about God, it's all there in the person Jesus. 
There's no philosophy or innovation or new belief that can outdo what Jesus has. He is fully God through and through. Jesus tells us that our real, um, the solution to the problem of sin. It's his sacrifice on the cross and so often we forget that. He tells us where we came from. He made us. He tells us where we're going. That someday when we physically die, our souls, the, the real us inside our bodies, will be, with, will be in heaven one day. Jesus gives us purpose for living. He gives us strength in difficult times and every single day he loves us, forgives us and is always with us. Paul says, you've been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In Christ you are complete. You have been given fullness. You have it all. Completely forgiven. Fully loved. Completely saved. Fully cared for. All in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have it all. Faith in Jesus is what completes us. And so we must keep returning to him as our focus. Jesus as God incarnate, having paid the price for our sin and risen from the dead, that's the heart of our faith. That's what sets us apart. And we need to remember that Jesus is more than enough. When we have Jesus, we have God in all his fullness. From the moment of the incarnation, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. Nothing can outdo God, nothing can improve upon him. No spiritual relationship can be deeper or greater. The one God is only incarnate in Jesus Christ, no one else. And when Paul tells us that for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, it's not an isolated statement just because he thought about it and wanted to stick it in somewhere. But he begins that sentence with the word for because he's correcting a specific error that was being bandied about at the time. Gnosticism taught that the material realm is inherently bad and that there's total opposition between matter and spirit. This meant that there could be no contact between the supreme God and the created universe. And of course that undermines basic Christian belief. If there can be no contact between spirit and matter, then could not, God could not be the creator of the material world, nor could he become man and enter the world. And if that cannot happen, and if that didn't happen, then the entire work of salvation is nothing but myth. No death, no bodily resurrection, and therefore no hope of resurrection for us. Indeed, no one of whom we may claim that we have died and risen to life in him. And that's why Paul used the term philosophy and empty deception. Empty is the perfect word for it. Without that, we have nothing. And the same can be true today. So many people today follow a belief system where you pick and choose your favourite bits, where you choose what's right and wrong because you think all paths lead to the same thing in the end. But that's not true. They believe that, people then believe that God is everything and everything is God. Therefore, we're all God and all part of God. And no wonder Paul was called on to help in that situation. He had to correct those teachings. And are these teachings present in the church today? Well, you don't have to look too far into Christian TV, for example, to see 
theories about how it's all about you and your inner strength and how you've got to work towards a better you. All stuff that leads to the same sort of emptiness. Well, that kind of teaching, that's quite easy to avoid. The real problem comes when we only hear part truths, when we hear only slight deviations from the truth, when hard truths aren't told to us for the sake of keeping people happy. But these things only lead on to further problems later on. Paul has told us here, don't be spiritually or mentally kidnapped by the deceivers. Don't be enamoured with popular philosophy and empty thinking. Remember what you first learned about Christ. He is the fullness of deity in bodily form. And by the way, that's not changed. He's now in a glorified body, but that body is still fully God. There's one God in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And your completeness, your fullness is found in him, not in yourself. Because when we have Jesus, we are complete. We don't need to supplement our faith with other religions or philosophies. We don't need religious experience after religious experience. The Colossians were apparently told, yes, Jesus is great, but there's something more. And that's simply not true. We have it all if we have Jesus. But if we believe that, then we need to respond by making sure that he truly is in charge over our lives. And you know what that means, don't you? That means that no one, whether they think they are or not, no one is equal or no one is above him. He is Lord over the whole of creation. He is the head of the church. In Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. The word became flesh and blood and lived among us. 1 John 1, 1 to 3 in the message version says, From the very first day we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in more sober prose what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself taking shape before us. We saw it, we heard it. And now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. Don't be tricked into glorifying any human being by crediting them with what only a holy God could do. Yes, of course God can speak through people, but it's a dangerous game when we focus on human reasoning rather than on God. When we spend time listening to people above listening to God. When we spend time ignoring the truth that Christ has already laid out before us. It's like we need to throw our human reasoning out of the window. We can use our human reasoning to get us out of all sorts of situations and to help us with all sorts of things. But we don't need it half as much as we need God's truth. The truth that Christ has already laid out before us. Jesus died on a cross for us. And because of that, we are complete. Christ is the head. He is in charge. It is him and no one else that we ultimately answer to. Now, saying he is head over these things doesn't mean that he leads them like an army general. It means he's preeminent. He's ruler above all in the physical realm and in the spiritual. In him is found your freedom and your fullness. You were once a slave to sin, and now we are set free. 
In him we are set free and we are made full. For the fullness of God dwells in him in bodily form, and all your fullness is found in him alone, who is head and ruler over all. He is your eternal inheritance, and it's him you will need throughout time and eternity. Ephesians 1, 20-23 in the Message Version says this, All this energy issues from Christ. God's raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Christ is the head of every power and authority. So let me ask you this. Are you being deceived into thinking needing something more than Christ? We don't need anything more than Christ. He alone is head over all things. And if we truly believe that, then we need to act like we believe that. We need to submit to him. We need to submit to his will instead of our own. And if we're going to do that, we need to make sure that we listen to him. We listen to him in our personal lives, in our work lives, and most importantly, in our church life, since we are his body. Choose Christ. Focus on Christ. Because in him and him alone, we are made complete. Let's spend some time thinking about the different parts of our lives and putting him once again in his rightful place as head overall. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for everything that you've done for us through your son, Jesus. We thank you that we can be made complete in you. We're sorry when we put people or philosophies in your place instead of you. And so we come to you this morning and put you back in your rightful place as head over all. We bring to you our family lives. We give them back to you and say that you are head over all. We bring to you our work and our leisure time. We recommit it back to you and say that you are head over all. We bring you our church life. We once again bring it back to you and acknowledge that you are head over all. Help us to keep our focus on you. Give us assurance in our faith and courage to stand up for the truth. We rededicate the whole of our lives to you once more. And thank you that in you, we are made complete. In Jesus' name, amen.